the royalties is the long game. And I think that's the most important part about all this. Don't focus on the short term gains of one ETH to five ETH when you could be making one ETH to five ETH every sale in like a few months from now when your shit's popping off. That was Justin Arvasano, who is an artist advocate with his nonprofit Save Art Space. He's also a photographer. He has a series called Twin Flames and a fantastic community builder and networker. This is a really great and touching story about how Justin uses his art to heal. He actually lost a twin during birth, which inspired his NFT series called Twin Flames, which is right now it's just absolutely blowing up, which is just really great to see. We also cover his journey from school to building what I would consider to be one of the most powerful Discord groups out there that is a collection of artists and collectors. It was really telling in that when someone offered to invite me to his Discord, the first thing Justin wanted to do is to talk to me. And that wasn't because he wanted to pitch me on something or, or wanted to network in a bad way. He was like, I just want to hear someone's voice and, and chat with them before they're part of the community. So he just cares really deeply about his community, which is the first time I've ever had anything happen like this on Discord, which I thought was just really cool. It was just different. And we also talk about his nonprofit work, which is called Save Art Space, which gives artists exposures on billboards, which I think is pretty awesome. They're taking what would normally be commercial advertisements and turning it into art installations. Justin is just someone that cares deeply about artists, and it was a pleasure having him on. But before we jump in, one little quick housekeeping note over here at Proof, you know, this is a brand new podcast, brand new feed. So any help jumping into iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and giving us a review would be much appreciated. All right, let's chat with Justin. Justin, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, this is gonna be a fun one, man. I I'm been a kind of admire from the outside and all the stuff that you've done for the art world, and wanted to have you on so we could talk about you know your life and how you got into this movement and the crazy world of NFTs and just everything you've been you've been working on. Because I would say, in terms of someone that is just like insanely well networked in this space and has helped build up and prop up this space you're probably close to the top of that list, if not at the very top. I think a great place to start would just be how you got wrapped up in this crazy world. Well, thank you for that introduction. Um, it's crazy to hear that I could be at the top of, of that list because I've only started this year. And there's been people who've been building this for years. And I want to make sure that they're credited. And my efforts don't overweigh anyone else's especially since I'm so new. But that that's an honor to hear. That's how people that's how you and others may see me as, but I'm just here as an artist and community builder and that's just my place that I want to be in the NFT space and, and and inspire people to keep building and and keep creating. I think that's what we're all here to do. Um, yeah, I I really curious how you got into the the kind of the space itself. I mean, were you more of a uh, traditional kind of artist prior to this? Or was it something where you saw the world moving into more NFT-related art and you thought, okay, now's a good time to share more of what I do? Um, walk me through the, your kind of origin story. So I've been an artist pr practically my whole life, uh, photographer and uh, illustrator, just drawing all the time in school and painting and mostly 
photography and the lens work, like Super 8 as well, and silk screens. So I do a lot of mixed media art. Everything art is what I'm fascinated by and gravitated towards, whether it be public art or sculpture, just all forms of art really uh, touches my soul and what makes me happy to live each day and to create and bring that energy to the world. So my origin story is really, you know, I've been working for the past 10, 15 years as an artist. I'm 28 years old. I went to SVA when I was like 17. I graduated in 2014, the BFA photo program there and learned pretty much everything I needed to know in the context of photography, history and philosophy, because I feel like those two things for me is what helped me understand art as well as concepts in art with symbolism and different signifiers and what an artwork consists of and how, how the social consciousness interprets it and perceives it. And I think those are key words when you're thinking about art is interpretations and perception. So I graduated in 2014. And right after that, I started a printing business for photography, as well as a nonprofit organization called Save Art Space with my co-founder friend, Travis Ricks. And him and I have been doing public art for the past was it six, six years or so. And that really started when we were in Bushwick and we knew that Bushwick Open Studios was about to launch and we wanted to do something different. So we decided to do public art because the billboards and advertising there was starting to take over the neighborhood and the murals that made Bushwick what it was. So we used a a ton of seed money I saved in college from photography jobs and just bought 12 billboards. And then this was before we became a nonprofit. This was like the first show just to experiment. And it had such a great impact on our emotional being that it was something that we knew that this is something that we need to continue for the community because it's just so powerful and impactful. And, And it might be so simple as putting an image on a billboard, but it really uplifts the lives of many, the artists, the family of the artists, the people looking and passing by, whether they notice it or not. And I think art is the channel for healing, whether it be external community healing or internal personal healing. And that's pretty much where all my art comes from with my photography and paintings is mending the wounds in my heart from the traumas or any negativity and transmuting that into something positive that we could share and then hopefully illuminate others with that work. Yeah, I mean, that's beautifully said. I, I think that just what a wonderful idea that, you know, we are being marketed to just, that's what billboards are, is they're just big advertisements for us to typically consume more in one way or another. And you said, hey, I'm going to, rather than have a, a the next Big Mac ad uh, from McDonald's show up on a big billboard, I'm going to go and do some real kind of community exposure of great local artists. And this is something that the artists did not have to pay for, correct? Like you just identified great artists and, and their works showed up on these big, uh, massive billboards. So the first three shows were free to submit. I was paying out of pocket because I just wanted to do this and it felt right. And I had 
money to do it at the time. And then, what does it cost to buy a billboard? Just out of curiosity, I've mean, I've never even thought about doing such a thing. Oh, it costs. Well, if you're not a nonprofit, it costs anywhere between five thousand dollars to forty thousand dollars. But if you know the right people and you have a a good cause and you're a part of a a nonprofit, then it's way cheaper than that for, for nonprofit rates. Oh, interesting. So do they get some type of tax write-off or why are they willing to give it to you for less money? It's like a PSA, public service announcement. They're supposed to do a certain amount per year on their policies. So it's not only serving the massive corporations, but also like public service announcements that do uplift the community. And there is like a statute involved where they have to set an amount of dollars or spaces for movements and causes like ours. So that's good. That's good to hear that exists. So you were saying the first few you didn't charge for, you pay for out of pocket. Then you went, started the nonprofit. And then how did, how do artists get featured on your billboards? Yeah. Once I went broke buying all these billboards and my business partner was saying that this is not sustainable, that we need to start charging five, $10 a submission. And that cost as a donation. And, you know, we raised money here and there for each open call anywhere between 500 to $5,000. In our really good shows, we raised ten dollars to $20,000. And with those, just just recently, we're, we're able to start paying our artists a good fee and the curators. So we're at a place of actual abundance where we could start giving back more than just the billboards, but, but actually financial honorariums, which is, it feels good since we've been doing this for so long. And we could start giving money to, to the artists because they do well-deserved get should be paid. But since we were a nonprofit, it was tough to to do that. We just wanted to put the art into the world. And now we can pay them to do that, which is the best feeling you could ever imagine. Yeah, that that's interesting. So how does that work exactly? Let's just unpack that a little bit. So if I'm an artist, and I'm like, hey, I would really love to have my artwork featured on a billboard, get some more exposure, show people what I'm what I'm creating. I can then come to you and say, if you have an open submission and say, here's $10 to submit my artwork, it may or may not be selected. Is that right? So we have a, an open call platform on our website, saveartspace.org slash submit. And we have five different shows running at different times because we do different cities at once. I think right now we have one in Las Vegas with Meow Wolf Collective. And we just closed a few in New York with I Am Water and also Asians Belong Here. Most of our shows are actually not just putting art on billboards, but it's actually mostly social justice causes. I think if we're going to take the responsibility of putting art into the community, I think it's important to have a social dialogue of what's important to that certain community, whether it's Black Lives Matter or trans people are sacred. It's meaningful causes that make you stop and think and also bring a sense of empathy in places that might not understand these causes and actually hopefully subconsciously shift someone's perspective on things. So yes, if you, it is a donation of $10 a submission just so we could operate the business and buy the billboards. And that's so, also a tax write-off for those individuals as well, right? Exactly. And normally, whatever we raise, whether it's 500 or 5,000, we just get as many billboards as we can and pay as much as artists as we can with with that fee for each show. But lately, we've been receiving so much external abundance, like, for instance, the Punks exhibition, and we could get into that a little bit. That really helped us have a, a nest egg to sit on 
to support all the the shows we've been working on and pay artists. And if artists can't afford the $10 submission fee, we waive the fee because we want this to be open to everyone. That's fantastic. And then, okay, so I understand the submission process. Then there's a selection process. And then how, when you say you pay the artist, how do the artists end up making money? Is it because there's a pool of money that comes in that is above and beyond the cost of the billboards? So you have some left over to then pay artists that actually get accepted in? Is that how it works? Yes, we just started doing that since we normally were able to just buy billboards and do that. But now we're able to pay the artists and the curators and, and everyone involved, which That's is fantastic, which is great. I'm so happy we've reached this point and it took five years to do this. Crazy. And it, w- w- tell me about the Punks Project. So if, we're gonna t- if we want to talk about the Punks Project, we really got to start with me getting into NFTs because it, it's all yeah. woven together, like Twin Flames, Save Art Space, CryptoPunks. It's all woven together in my experience. So I'll start from the beginning of it. And it really starts with Clubhouse. Earlier this year, we're all in the pandemic and we all just want to seek human connection. So at the beginning of this year, I was on Clubhouse a lot and all the chatter was about NFTs and when I first heard about it, I was like, what is this? This sounds intriguing. Everyone's talking about it. Let me see. And then everyone's doing little workshops on Clubhouse about how to mint and just educating people. And I'm like, okay. So I tried out Rarables and I'm like, okay. And then I got robbed like a hundred bucks. And I was like, wow, I fucking hate this. This sucks. I just got robbed. What do you mean you got robbed? What does that mean? It means that it just, they took my money and the guests went through and nothing got minted. And I lost 120 bucks because... Oh, I see. You were trying to mint at a high gas uh, Something Something happened and I paid the gas, I paid the mint and then nothing happened. And I was like, wow, this fucking sucks. So I was put off by it a little bit. And then... My friend Alex Mesmesh, who does Try Showtime, he's one of the founders there, was really like getting me to talk to him about, hey, man, give it a second try. Uh, I think this is really good for you. I look up to you as an artist, so I think you should really do this. And I was like, all right, man, I trust you. I just did not have a good experience. And that kind of pushed me away. So he was talking about OpenSea because he, he knew the founders, Alex and Devin there. And I trusted him. So he he got on a Zoom call with me for about three hours, and he literally held my hand, walked me through MetaMask because I never heard of it before. He walked me through OpenSea and you know what to do with the seed phrase. Pretty much educated me like I was a little baby, and got me to the point where I was ready to mint. So I was thinking about how I would release Twin Flames, and then days later I was on Instagram and I saw. Kenny Schechter's feed and it said something about a crypto punk selling for 150 or a quarter million dollars. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, and that caught my attention. And I saw that and it was G Money's ape and he was the one who purchased it. So I was inter- I was very intrigued and I wanted to understand the collector side of how these things work before I minted anything. So I reached out to G Money and, and that day, so I just DM'd him and he DM'd me back. And then we were chatting for a little bit and then we hopped on a call. And so G Money really took me up under his wing and gave me that education and confidence also to to mint Twin Flames. Twin Flames is a portrait series that I shot on film with a 4x5 camera and a 6x6 medium format camera, as well as a Polaroid. Because when I do photo shoots, 
I shoot with all three mediums because I like to play with the camera. I'm not so serious. I'm more playful and, I, and focused. So I like to have fun. I let the spirit of creativity run through me. It's not like a job. It's play when I create art. So Twin Flames is a 100 portrait series of twins from around the world. I did this project in honor of my fraternal twin sister who passed away in my mother's womb from a miscarriage. My mother had three miscarriages, one before me, during, and after me. And then she had later developed ovarian cancer and passed away just recently from that. And all the art I create is comes from death. And that's something that we all will experience in our life, whether it's family or ourselves. It's there and it's something that we need to recognize. But it's also something that isn't a bad thing. It's something to learn from and get inspiration from and learning how to turn that um, negativity of how we perceive death into something positive and celebratory for those who did die. How did you find these twins, by the way? You said you found a hundred different sets of twins. So in 2017, I saw I was at a gallery show that I held for Polaroids in the Storefront Project Gallery on Valentine's Day of 2017. And I had my Polaroid in my hand and these two twins came into the gallery and I saw them and something instantly in my being just clicked. And I was like, whoa, I got to do a portrait series of twins. Like it was just so embedded in my veins and bones and blood. I was like, this is the next project. And that's how usually my projects come to me. So I shot a Polaroid of them that night to remind me of, I want to do this project. So months later, I I contacted those twins. so I met those twins at Central Park at the Alice in Wonderland statue. That's where they chose. So when I do my photo shoots of the twins, I ask them two simple things. Where do you want me to, sh- where do you want to shoot? And wear whatever you want. Be yourselves. All we have to do is show up. I, I, I want to honor you where you want to be honored. So the next set of twins I photographed in Brooklyn and from there, I photographed another set in Central Park, and it was just a domino effect of twins introducing me to other twins. And also, once I started posting these on Instagram, there was a lot of noise, and people started just DMing me like, hey, I know twins, or hey, I'm a twin. And I had set out to go to California and shoot more twins that I planned with, and and also Peru and Cusco, because I've known these shaman twins. My My goal here is to honor my twin, create art of twins, and also connect and build a community with twins so I could see what it would have been like had I had my twin my whole life. So it's like that to me was the the marker of how I could actually heal myself. And this will be the way that I could have some closure. Walk, walk me through the process of yeah. taking those, you've taken those photos, you've, you've scanned them in. Tell me about what did it take for you to publish your first NFTs? Like, how did you go about at this point in your life? It had you had a, you had you were friends with G Money, right? So that's a fantastic relationship to have on the NFT side. Who I agree with you is just a fantastic human, very sharing. Uh, I've had several interactions with with him, and he's been an amazing resource on on all fronts. What did you, when you were launching this, it had to be a little bit nerve wracking, right? Like, how do you choose a platform to publish through? What was your launch process like? Did you put a lot of thought and energy into a plan? Or was it something like, I'm just going to get these out there and we'll see what happens? 
So I based it off of the book I made. So I self-published a book in 2019. And the way I do my projects is very simple. It's okay, I'm going to list them in order. And I've been doing this before NFTs. If you look at my websites, I list everything in chronological order of when I shot it. Because there's a journey through the photographs of from start to finish. And I don't like to mix match. I like to keep it chronological. Super simple. Just this is my journey. This is I'm leading you through it in the timeline here. So I've always been sitting with these photos and I always put them in order, number one to a hundred. And the book sequence is the same. And like I said earlier with Alex Mesmesh, he 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 suggested OpenSea because foundation wasn't around at the time and the only things were Rarible and OpenSea. And I was like, all right, I don't like Rarible's and I trust him and OpenSea. So I, why didn't I just, you like Rarible? Is it because you had that issue with minting initially? Yeah, I just had a horrible experience. I'm and curious, like what these platforms, what artists are flocking to. It seems these days, most like most people are on super rare these days, or are they at least are trying to get on super rare? Is that your experience as well? There's super rare, there's nifty gateway, there's uh collective, there's known origin, there's open sea rarables. Like I feel like to be honest, we're going to get to a point where we're, each artist is going to have their own platform like Squarespace, how like each artist has their own website hosted through Squarespace. So I think these platforms are great helping it get into the mainstream. But I feel like at some point when everyone starts realizing that they could build custom smart contracts, the only need for platforms is an like, aggregate to buy and sell and trade the, the art or the collectible. Right. So I think we're getting to a point an inflection point where, you know, and it might take a year or two or three that, hey, artists can mint on their own platform and through their own custom smart contract. And that's what everyone wants too. So I think that's coming soon. Yeah, absolutely agree. There, there's just, these tools are going to be easier and easier to use. And especially as gas prices ease up. And I've already seen some tooling being built on other ecosystems as well, like Solana and other places that make it just extremely easy for people to, to mint on their own. But you, back to your project and, and your launch, you said you wrote this book and mm-hmm. what was in the book that, that you followed? I had like 10 chapters, like statistics, spirituality, community, psychology, paranormal, like these were the chapter names. So I interviewed 10 sets of 10 twins, like from the first one to 10, I chose one to interview and so on. So I had 10 chapters with 10 interviews with different twins on their perspective of, hey, what is the psychology of twins? Or, hey, what is the statistics of twins? And I went and researched and I saw that there's over 210 million twins in the world. And there's, and one out of every 64 births are twins, which is crazy to think about. So that was the book and I had it published, self-published for my gallery exhibition in 2019. I had a big solo show at Super Cheap Gallery in New York. And I had 10 cyanotypes, which are the blue flames twins that are also on OpenSea and some enlarged prints that are on my website. And obviously the one of 100 set, which is the main attraction of Twin Flames. And so... The minting process, to me, it came so naturally because I've been working with these photos for so long and one to a hundred was so easy. And I just was like, okay, I'm going to name these twin flames number one dash the name of the twins. And I feel like that's the way I'm going to write it. And that's always the way I've been writing it. So I'm going to just do it how I normally do it. And I felt very confident. I had the support, the community support with G Money and his 
friends and Flamingo and like a, a good group of people who are ready to support me and and Alex who helped me understand the tech side. So between the tech and community, I was ready to go. And all it took was for me to make the leap of faith of like, all right, I'm doing this. And the way I priced it out, and I like to express this to all photographers, what worked for me was minting it at my fair market value price. So I said earlier that I was trying to sell the photos at $1,000 each, but all together at $100,000 because that's my fair market value in the galleries. I sell one of one 16 by 20 prints at $1,000. So it, it just it was natural for me to do 0.55 ETH, which at the time was fluctuating between 800 and 1300. So I was like, you know what, this is my price. And I minted all of them in, in one day on like February 15th or something like that. And that day I started seeing some like 20 sales and the next day I sold like 25 and the day after that I sold the rest. And that same day, the last day I, I resold two and the secondary market started kicking off. And that's what really got me super intrigued because the royalties to me is probably the most paradigm shifting thing about NFTs in general. Not just you could own digital assets, but from the artist's creative side, getting paid consistently in perpetuity with royalties is unheard of in the traditional art world, but also a game changer in this world where people are flipping NFTs like it's candy to other people. And if I get paid each time someone does, that's passive income for the rest of my life. If people are still flipping these NFTs in 5, 10, 20 years, whatever ETH price may be, like this one project is up upkeeping me for the rest of my life. And if I keep releasing new projects, like this is getting wild. Like artists are going to be the new billionaires at some point. I feel it coming because the art is, it, we're generating wealth through our creative forces. And I think I say this to everyone, like we're generating ETH. Like other people have to buy ETH, but we're literally generating it through our art. And mm. artists have always got that short end of the stick, whether it's working with corporations or brands that undercut us and make billions and millions of dollars on those sponsored, whatever brand campaigns they're doing, they're paying us 5,000 and they get 5 million or 500 million. So it's like the artists don't even need to work with brands or corporations anymore because we're happy getting paid through our art on our own. And I think all the brands are worried about that because they're trying to get into NFTs and they just don't know how because to be honest, NFTs right now is like all community-based. And if you don't have a community around then you're not going to do well, especially from the brands or celebrities. You really need to integrate yourself and be interactive and engage. You have to be completely immersed or else it's not, or else there's no reason to be here. Mm -hmm. It's a niche community and everyone knows each other and, and you could call bullshit when you see it. Yeah, I completely agree. So what was the, uh, when the launch went out, how quickly did they sell out? What happened there? It took about like three days. So the first day I was just, I would mint it and no one knew. And I had, and then I had to start telling everyone. And then the second day it really picked up, like half the project was sold. And luckily the team at Flamingo were, were the ones who pr practically got 45% of the project. And then I was surprised to even see like photographers supporting me. And I was like, whoa, like you're a fellow photographer, you're supporting me. Like, whoa, that's fucking sick. That's a lot of money. Like I, I wasn't expecting that. And to me, that created a connection to other artists. And I was like, wow, you're artists supporting artists. This is a huge, another game changer in the NFT world. Like we're all supporting each other and we're using our sales to keep each other going. And I think that's what I also 
want to also show with my royalties and my successes, I'm always going to be supporting photographers. And I want to be that shining light in the NFT space for photography is I want to be a collector. I want to just support everyone that I can with the pictures I like at a price that is reasonable. And I think it's important to talk about pricing because there's a lot of different conversations around what's a good price to start at. And but my art is worth this much. I've been working on it for so long. So it's really difficult to have a set price. But I think to me, what works for my project, because collectors, if you have to remember, want to flip these things and not just hold them forever. Because we're looking at NFTs like it's the new stock. It's like squiggles are the new Apple stock, right? So and we're, we're working with day traders here because everyone's from the finance world. But the most beautiful thing about this, it's art. It's not just a stock or a bar going up and down. It's art and it's people's lives. And it's like the power of that and the power of people putting so much money into art is the most beautiful thing and the most incredible thing that could have ever happened on earth because the artists are finally getting paid what they deserve consistently and people want to buy more art. And I, the, the demand for art right now is unbelievable. Like people are fighting each other for art like they would be if it was Tesla stock. And that's the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen happen because we're at a place where finance and art are, are woven together in a way where artists are reaping so much. One of the things that I noticed when I first joined your Discord is that it was just filled with other artists, other collectors that I knew. You have uh, a Discord that is packed with uh, a, a pretty great diverse group of people that have the ability to definitely purchase your art. How how did you go from being relatively unknown to becoming this kind of networking machine? I don't know if that's the right <laughs> term, but I mean, you just like, I'm a you, you know everybody now. So I, like, because I, I, for a new artist saying like a, uh, a photographer listening to this might be like, that's great. You've got these, you know, you met G Money and all these things, great things started to happen. But like. How does someone go from knowing no one to having a Discord that's packed with some of the most influential collectors and artists in the world? That's a great question. How'd you do it? You, you did you just reach out one on one, or I'm I love people. If you could see that in my art, you can know that I'm I just love photographing people. I love connecting with people. I love talking to people. It's what gets me high. It's what gets me going, and I want to just create a community. I want to connect people. I want to bring people together. I recognize people's talents and I honor that. And I want to just, as I like being a community builder and I want to, if you're, you're working on a, if you're working on like a, a project and you need a solidity dev, I want to be like, I want to be the person who's like, yo, you should talk to Richard. He knows smart contracts or you should talk to Craig or someone like I, that to me is fun because it gets everyone closer together. And that's, to me, I've been doing that my whole life with Save Art Space. It's, I'm putting pieces together. I'm putting, I'm curating a community. I'm curating a show. And as a curator, you realize like what pieces need to go together, what people need to work together to push the culture forward. Because I feel like if these people are introverts or they don't want to br out branch themselves, it's like they need a push in the right direction. And I'm, I'm like, I'm so outgoing and I'm so excited to connect people. It's, it's fun for me just reaching out and being authentic and being yourself. Just ask questions. Don't chill too hard. You could chill a little bit, but get to know someone, ask them how they're doing. Just be cool. And then if it comes up, oh, I'm an artist. You want to see my art? Just 
and just talk to people and, and be engaging and interact. And I think at the end of the day, it's always show up for the people that you want in your life. Yeah, I think that's a great way. It's a great approach that you have there in that well, I, was, I was invited into your Discord, joined up, saw some of the work that you'd done, and I hadn't I'd yet to purchase any photography-based NFTs. And I was like, this looks cool. I should figure out a way to, to get involved in this um, community. And I purchased one of your pieces. And yeah, like you said, it's everything you did. You reached out. You're like, hey, we should chat. I'd love to tell you. That thing I really was... I thought was cool was you're like, I'd love to tell you more about this piece, who the twins are, what it means to them, like what their backgrounds, like you were really wanting to to share, which is just a beautiful thing. And I could see how that would be really like, I mean, you share, you sharing, you being that open just leads people to form deeper bonds with you and tell more people and tell their friends about this cool artist and, and that this is a snowball effect, I'd imagine. We're creating stories. We're connecting with people. It's like, if you're buying this photo, don't you want to know who this person is or the story or how I even shot this or what was going on? I think I think the best part about photography is if they like the photo or they're drawn to it, they don't know why, and they, they collect it or they're interested. And I think I leave it up to the collector to ask me without giving it all away, like, hey, what is this picture about? Who are these people? And I, that's my favorite part. When collectors ask me about the people, it's, okay, now we could get into it since you broke the barrier of you're interested in what this photo is. Now let's, let's, let's go deeper. Let's, let's talk about the photo, what's in it, who these people are. Like you did your part in reaching out to me, asking what this is about instead of just staying on the surface level because photography is surface level, but there's always a profound, deeper meaning in everything. And art is supposed to do that. Art is supposed to pose questions, raise emotions and, and, and most importantly, talk to it about talk with it about other people. Yeah, absolutely. What are your tips for other photographers that are looking to get into the NFT space? Because it seems like there hasn't been a ton outside of your project. There's been a, a couple others that I've seen, but there hasn't been a ton of kind of breakout photography NFTs. Why do you think that is, and what could people do differently? I think if you're starting to get into it, and I and I know that there's a flood coming, like. There's such a high demand for it and there's such high interest in it, but the supply is semi-minimal, frankly, because people are still figuring out how to launch their collections in a way that people will want to collect them and be able to flip it in the market. And also just, there's a lot of, I'm getting a lot of questions from photographers every day and I'm doing my best to help everybody as best I can. But I think a broad general statement for all is, Go with your gut, do what you've been doing, mar- um, connect with people. Numbers work, like numbering them one to 50 or whatever, like it works. It's just people like the numbers. Like people are drawn to, like, if your favorite number is 14, you're going to buy number 14. I don't know. Maybe not. It's relative and, and different for everyone, but I think, I think the best thing to do is consider pricing and make sure you're, you're, a- you're able to let your collector 10x. Cause like I said earlier, the royalties is the long game. And I think that's the most important about important part about all this. Don't focus on the short-term gains of one ETH to five ETH when you could be making one ETH to five ETH every sale in like a few months from now when your shit's popping off or like that one ETH sale might deer you from making royalties forever because it's hard to flip. And I think a lot of people here want to flip because that's just the name of the game here. So just 
try to price things under one ETH, make it affordable, make it accessible. So your collectors can 10 X because that's a highly people want that. And think long-term, think how you're going to build your community. What is this project doing? What's the utility, not just the photo, but like, how does it serve the community? And just be aware of, of what's out there and, and just do your best. If it's something you've been working on for four years, don't do something overnight because that's not, it's not going to sit well with people and people will see right through it. My Discord has like a project share group and that's where a lot of photography is being discovered by most of my collectors and all the collectors you were talking about. And um, I would also like to announce something on your podcast because I think it's important to share. Yeah, let's hear it. At this point, Twin Flames, it started in 2017, ended in 2018. I had a gallery exhibition, 2019. It became widely successful in 2021. And now, because of the NFTs, my original vision of putting it in an institution, in a museum, or finally being able to sell the full collection, rather than it settling dust in the storage room, is finally going to Christie's on October 6th. Oh, that's fantastic. The full physical project and one NFT is going to Christie's. So that's happening very soon. The, the NFT that's being shown and sold together with the 100 physical set is the book cover image, which is the Safarani twins, which I hold in my wallet. And I also hold another NFT in my wallet <clears throat> that I rebought. And I actually rebought both of those. I didn't just sit and hold them. I put the, all of them out there. And I rebought them back just because keep it fair and keep it fun and, and really invest in yourself if you believe that this is the way. So that's so awesome. What a, what a shock it must be or what a crazy feeling it must be to have that validation of Christie's. It's many people consider them obviously old school auction house, but they are the ones that in some sense, the Christie's and the Sotheby's and the others of the world, like they, they have highly talented curators that that try and find the next big thing and so to have your artwork featured there just must be must be amazing it is uh, the craziest feeling you can imagine and it's funny because just last month I, I had a Sotheby's auction as well I was part of the the curated natively digital sale I was the community choice and that to me was like wow I can't believe my art is in an auction house this is crazy and now it's okay now I have my own big project in the auction house. This is even crazy. This is getting crazy. What's next? This is fucking nuts. That's so awesome, though. Um, curious, out of all the different artists that are out there in this space, um, both in, in terms of, you know, animated GIF NFTs or generative art, and then also, of course, in photography, if you had to give me like a list of, of your favorites, who do you follow? Who would you dream to collect? Who is up and coming. Do you have a few that you could mention? Yes. You can't go without NFTs without saying Larva Labs. So it's got to have one of each. Uh, like hopefully one day get an autoglyph, but that's just a pipe dream. I have two punks. I have seven me bits, but I, I want to bring it back to ground level and really support artists that I believe in, which, which are fellow photographers like Chris Graves and amazing artists who are part of Herstory Dow. I think what they're doing is amazing serving black artists and women. And I think that's probably the most important role is Wait, to... Which Dow was that? Herstory Dow. Herstory Dow. That's awesome. Yeah, Diana Sinclair is like 
one of the leaders for it and she's doing very well. And I always support what she's doing and also do my best to help her get awareness and connected to people because she inspires me. Like I wish I was doing what she was doing at, at that age. So she has my respect, Chris Graves. Obviously my girlfriend, Nicole Buffett is a power player being the first Buffett in her family to advocate crypto and navigating that by with her art. So it's pretty cool to see the tides have changed from her grandpa Warren to her leading the way in crypto for female artists. There's also a ton of other artists I can mention, but they're all in my discord. So come join and see what the community's cooking up because we're That's all a- there. And where can people find links to your discord and everything else? You got to DM me and ask me because I, I don't want to put it out on an open post. I want to connect with each person before you join just so it's I know who's coming in. So if you want to join, just DM me, reach out. I'm happy to connect and talk and just build. That's my whole thing I'm trying to do here. That's great. And then people can find you on Twitter under what handle? JustinAversano.eth or just JustinAversano. Fantastic. Justin, this has been so cool to hear your journey up to this far, up to this, this point. You still have, obviously have an incredible future ahead of you. And you learn, like I mentioned in the beginning, like I, I really, I love that your kind of origin story and how you've been trying to help other artists get exposure and just the, the networking uh, abilities and drawing those connections between people so that they can get the support they need to get into the space. Because and one of the reasons I do this podcast is I know that there's just so much information out there that is is locked up and only the you know elite few may know how to participate in these worlds or which projects to pay attention to. And I try to democratize that a little bit more and make it easier for the average folk, the average person to understand. So it sounds like you're doing that in the art world. So thanks for doing that. Thank you for having me on. Like it's this is your part of the journey, just being on this podcast and connecting with you and this is we're going to continue to create together kevin yeah absolutely i'm the more artists i can get exposure to and and you know and highlight interesting works i think the better i look at the world of cryptocurrency as something that is um there's a few different ways people play this some are in it to flip pieces and make money and i can get that why that's a thing the way I feel about it is, and the reason why you see that, that if you look at my collection, it's I tend to hold stuff for, I haven't, I've sold a couple of Mebits probably because I bought too many <laughs> back in the, back when they first came out. But outside of that, I, I really haven't sold anything because I believe this is the very early days of what's to come. And it's, it's a, there's two pieces to it. The one and most important piece is that I get enjoyment out of the art. It's something that I, I look at and pull up all the time and admire it and, and I'm happy that I collect because of that enjoyment. And then the second piece is, you know, it's actually uh, somewhat of a, a type of investment at the same time. It's something that you hold and will hopefully appreciate over time. And if it doesn't, that's fine too, because you still have a fantastic work of art that you will get enjoyment out of. And so that's the beautiful backup plan for all this stuff. Yeah, I really love your Fidenza collection. But I also, before we let out of this podcast, I do want to ask you a a serious question about photography and what your thoughts are, what the climate is, where collectors' heads are at. From a collector's perspective of what do you see in photography? What do you want out of photography? Just for the artist to know from the collector's side, from someone like yourself, how to, like, what do you like and what do you think the future is and what do you think the present is of photography? Do you think there's a boom coming? Do you think this is 
short term or is, do you think this, and I'm only asking this because we came from a place where photographers were on Instagram and we were only acknowledged through likes and comments, but now we're in a place where we could actually capitalize and monetize the photos that we've been creating our whole life. And, and I even said this on the NFT now podcast, we're not getting paid in likes and comments anymore. We're getting paid in ETH. So I just want to close it out with you and your thoughts on photography and where you think it is and where it's heading and the interest that me that may be. Yeah. Th- thanks for the question. There's always been um, just so much great photography and the ease of access in which you could discover that via the discovery mode in Instagram or so it's it, you're right. There was always there was never this uh, assumption that I need to own this. It was more like I'm just passively enjoying it as it pop- pops up in my feed. It's interesting in that everyone and I believe the same thing on the NFT side. The danger here in let me put it this way: when something is inexpensive and is being priced right, there is no danger. Meaning, like if I can buy something for a couple hundred dollars, even though yes, that is a lot of money to to a lot of people. The danger is that is never worth anything, um, and but it holds a place in in my heart in terms of I visually appreciate it, and that that's that's fine. And so that that type of collecting you could do all day long. As as people are starting to pay more and more money for photography and, and NFTs, they just have to be aware that there is no lack of photographers, and there's no lack of artists that are really good in Photoshop. There's so many that could easily go and mint NFTs. It's really this thing where you have to stand out from the crowd in some way. And that can be through a a number of different ways. One, it can be a very unique style that is unique to yourself that I haven't seen done elsewhere. Or it can be really just something that is been put together and packaged in a way that I've never seen done. For example, if you had put out a series of photographs, I would look at them and say, okay, that's interesting. And there there might be some cool ones there and I might be drawn to one. But when you did, I thought it was pretty interesting and novel, a, a pretty novel idea for you to say, actually, I'm going to put this out as almost like um, uh, in in the ways that like a, a podcast or, or Netflix shows drop, they say, here's my season. Here's my seasonal release that is packaged together. And you said, I'm going to do one around twins that is a packaged release. And to your point earlier about numbering things and packaging things, it, 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 it instills this and, and creates this sense of this is limited and this is unique and it's, it's something that hasn't been done before. And the novelty and the first to do it, um, especially in the blockchain world, carries some value with it. The reason why I would argue that if you go back and look at Larva Labs and you look at Autoglyphs, the first generative art on the blockchain, there are a few of them that look pretty beautiful. But for the most part, aesthetically, I would say that it, there's not a lot that really wows me there. But the fact that they carry that badge of honor that said they are, they're the very first ones to do generative art on the blockchain, and this is the first project. That's why the very it, the least expenses of, of them all right now is selling for a million US dollars, which is just crazy. But that's because they were the first to, to do it in the space. So I always have an eye towards do I think something is beautiful and do I like it? And I have several pieces of art around my house that aren't worth anything, but I love hanging them up because I visually enjoy them. And then a bonus on top of that is, is the, what's the artist's background? How many works of art have they produced? Are they a factory just pumping up out thousands or tens of thousands of pieces? 
or is some is there some rarity, some thoughtfulness, and some scarcity applied to their art? And so it's it's a few different lenses that I kind of evaluate things through. But I certainly believe that there will be many photographers that will figure out how to weave and thread that needle in the right way that creates very valuable pieces long term. And I, I think that you've done a, a great job. I mean, some of yours are selling for, I don't know, what is the floor now? Around 30 ETH or so. 60. 60. That's insane. Your least expensive out of all of yours is now 60 ETH. Now, again, now I say 30 because I'm, I'm remembering back that long time ago, 72 hours ago. <laughs> so it's, this shows you how quickly this is just growing and, and expanding. So it's, um, but yeah, you're the first that I've seen to package and do something unique with these twins. And I was like, huh, there's somebody that checks the boxes of several different boxes. Great networker, influential in the art space, has done some really beautiful things in the nonprofit world. This is someone that I want to support. And that's what led me to pick up and buy and purchase one of your NFTs. And so I think it, you will, it will demand more than someone just randomly taking a, a photograph and putting it up and saying, I, I want this to be worth 100 ETH. It just doesn't work that way. There needs to be a backstory. And there needs to be more to it than that. My next project's releasing in February 2022. And the project after that is February, January 2023. I, I have a five-year plan. I know exactly what I'm going to be doing for that entire year, which is upkeeping the market until it becomes self-sustainable. Like, for instance, I'm going to keep, I'm going to try to reach 100 or before Christie's auction starts because that helps me set a new bar for the auction. And also after the auction, I feel like it will be self-sustainable so I could let off on the gas a little bit and start planning the next project's launch in 2022. And I think that formula of upkeep and care and maintenance and collector relations and community building is a recipe for success for any project. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Love it. Thank you, Justin, for being on the show. This has been, uh, I've learned a lot and it's been wonderful to hear your history. And uh, yeah, I'll be hanging out in your Discord and definitely wanting to get a sneak peek at whatever you decide to launch next. Smoke and mirrors, baby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Thank you so much, man. That is it for this episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. And then also don't forget, head on over to modern.finance. All the show notes are there. Also, you can sign up for my newsletter sent every other week with all my top favorite NFT and cryptocurrency related news. That's it for now. Take care.